All right, well, we're there in 2 Samuel chapter number 16, and we're continuing uh, through the story here of David uh, basically retreating and uh, running from his son Absalom. And, you know, things aren't going well for David at this time, and it's interesting because all these new characters or different characters kind of show up, and they show up in this chapter before the battle with Absalom, and then they show up again after the battle of Absalom. So we'll see them here, and we'll see them again as we continue through the book. But I'd like you to look down at verse number 1. The Bible says this, And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him. Now, if you remember, Mephibosheth uh, was the son of Jonathan, who uh, David had decided that he wanted to show kindness to the house of Saul, and he had sought out for any descendant of Jonathan, any son of Jonathan. And Ziba was the servant that was able to find Mephibosheth for David. Remember Mephibosheth, when uh, they had heard that Saul and Jonathan had died, the nurse in her haste to get him out of the city because she thought that the invading Philistines would come and, and kill all of, uh, uh, of the line of Saul. She wanted to save his life. She accidentally uh, dropped him. He fell and he was lame at his feet. If you remember that story, we went through that and we saw the picture there, the beautiful picture of David reaching out to Mephibosheth and bringing him in and treating him as one of his own and, and feeding him and clothing him and giving him the, uh, the land of Saul. Ziba was the servant that found Mephibosheth, Fort David, and Ziba was supposed to be the guy that kind of took care of Mephibosheth or took care of his, of his affairs because Mephibosheth is obviously lame from his feet, not able to go out and work the field for himself. So Ziba was supposed to be his right-hand man. He was supposed to be the guy that was there to help him. Now David is running, and the Bible tells us that Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him. Look, the, look down at verse number 1. And he met him with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them 200 loaves of bread, and in 100 bunches of raisins, and in 100 of summer fruits and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, now notice what David asked, he says, what meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, the asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread of summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint uh, in the wilderness may drink. And I want you to understand this, and, and there's a beautiful lesson about what Ziba does to Mephibosheth that we will catch in a couple of chapters as we move through the book of 2 Samuel. But I want you to understand, Ziba is not a good guy. Ziba is here to manipulate and to lie and to take advantage of a situation, and he slanders Mephibosheth, and he lies about Mephibosheth. But notice, Ziba shows up, and he brings gifts with him. In verse 3, the Bible says this, And the king said, And where is thy master's son? So David's asking, Where's Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth is someone that David has showed great kindness to. Mephibosheth is someone that David has, has done a lot for. And, and David was, you know, he, he assumed, of course, Mephibosheth will come out. He will be on my side. He will come out and support me. But here's Ziba and no Mephibosheth. So the question is asked, Where is thy master's son? Notice the response. And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem. And notice what he says. He says, For he said, and this is a lie, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertain unto Mephibosheth. And that's what Ziba wanted. 
God, David had given Mephibosheth the land that belonged to Saul, and he said, I'm not going to take the land of Saul. It was a common custom during those days that whenever uh, there was a, a change in the, in, in the kings, whenever a king would die and a new family would come in and take over, that that king would often have all of the descendants of the prior king put to death, would take away the land of that king. And David did the opposite. He came in, he found Mephibosheth, he was kind to him, he was loving to him, and then he gave him the land that belonged to his family and belonged to Saul and belonged to Jonathan. But now here David is hurt because David has just been told, you know, David expects Mephibosheth to come out and to support him and to be with him. And Ziba says, oh, no, 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 David. Mephibosheth realizes that you left town and he thinks that they're going to restore the kingdom back to the household of Saul. He thinks that they're going to make him king. So he stayed and he's basically telling David, you know, your friend that you you did all this kindness to, he has spat in your face, and he's uh, uh, committed treason against you. So David basically says to Mephibosheth, uh, I'm sorry, to Ziba, look there, verse 4, thine are all that pertain unto Mephibosheth. He says, everything I gave Mephibosheth, I give it to you now, Ziba. It's yours now because of Mephibosheth's treasony, uh, tre- treason against me. And notice uh, Ziba's response. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy in in thy sight, my Lord, O King. He basically says, I humbly accept it. But here's what I want you to understand, okay? Ziba's lying. Mephibosheth has not said these things. And, and, and Mephibosheth proves it when he shows up. And I, we won't go there because we'll go there in a few weeks. But when Mephibosheth comes back, he basically shows up and presents himself to David. And he hasn't got a haircut. He hasn't had a bath. He hasn't crimmed his beard. He just looks like a mess. And this was something that they would do in that culture. When they were in mourning, they would basically stop, uh, uh, you know, just taking care of themselves. And it's very obvious that this man has not bathed for a while. He's not trimmed his beard for a while. He's not, you know, uh, done anything for a while. And, and Mephibosheth says, hey, Ziba lied. You know, I wanted to come out and he, he left me and he has slandered me. You know, and he's done these things. But here's what I want you to understand. There will always be Zebas in our lives, people who try to take advantage of situations to manipulate us. And we need to be weary. We need to be careful. And I'm not saying that we need to be suspicious of everybody, but listen to me. There will be Zebas that come into your life. There will be Zebas that come into this church. There have been Zebas that have came into this church. There have been people that try to take advantage and try to slander and try to manipulate and try to promote themselves. And that's what Zebas doing. And we can see the characteristics. We see it all throughout the Bible. But let's look at it again in this passage. God gives us one more example. Here's another Absalom. Here's another person that's out to hurt others for himself. Notice what he does. Look look down at verse 1 again. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him. Notice he met him with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them 200 loaves of bread, and 100 bunches of raisins, and 100 of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. Here's what he does, okay? And, And here's what you need to understand. People who want to manipulate you will often give you gifts in order to blind you from being able to see their true motives. Keep your place there in 2 Samuel chapter 16. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 16. Now let me say this before I continue, all right? I'm not saying everyone who's ever given you a gift is out to do you wrong, okay? 
Gifts are good. Gifts are fine. I like to get gifts. I like to receive gifts. Hey, God likes to give gifts. God gave us a gift, right? The gift of God is eternal life. So I'm not saying gifts are bad. Somebody brings you a gift and you're like, what are you up to? Okay, don't, don't, don't think that, all right? And don't just assume that people are bad. But do realize that sometimes people, and here's where I get, you know, kind of wary. It's not when I see one, you know, every once in a while in church, someone will just be real appreciative of someone else. Maybe they did something really kind for them. Maybe they helped them out or something and they'll bring them in. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what I find. But whenever you see people and they're just every week at church, they're just giving a gift to somebody else. They're like, today we brought all these little, you know, we brought all these books for you for homeschooling, you know. And it's like one mom this week, one mom next week, one mom, you know. And it's like, today we brought all these gifts, you know. And it's like this guy and that guy. Whenever people are trying to give out a bunch of gifts, I'm just telling you, they may, they may be trying to blind you from their true motives. Are you there in Deuteronomy 16? Look at verse number 19. Deuteronomy 16, look at verse 19. Notice what the Bible says. Thou shalt not rest judgment. It's talking about twisting judgment. You know, like the word wrestling, talking about twisting. He says, when it comes to judgment, you have to twist it around. He said, judgment should be something that's very clear. He says, thou shalt not rest judgment, for thou shalt not respect persons. He said, when it comes to judgment, don't have respect to persons. Don't think of some people better than other people or look at some people uh, better than other people. Neither take, notice what he says, neither take a gift. You say, why? For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of righteousness. There's a reason why you're not allowed, you know, if you're going to court and you've got a judge and you're bringing your case before the judge and someone else is bringing, you know, their case again, there's a reason why you're not just allowed to, hey, judge, by the way, here's a new car, you know? Because, look, obviously when you give someone a gift, they're going to lean, you know, they might say, well, hey, that's a real nice person, and it blinds your eyes. And that's what we Ziba do. He shows up, and he's just bringing all these gifts to David. He just, and by the way, those aren't even his gifts to give. That, that, that food that he brought, he brought from the land of Mephibosheth. What he should have said is, here's the gift Mephibosheth brought you. Here's the gift that Mephibosheth, and look, I, and, and look it, it's funny, I, 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 sometimes in ministry I think like, good, I, I, wish all, I wish all of you could be pastors sometime, you know, just for a year, because the, the Bible becomes alive to you. I mean, we've literally, I, I've literally in my ministry have had people where we gave them a job or a ministry or a task, and we said, hey, could you do this? Could you take care of it? And then they will go to church people and act like, like, you know, they spend the church money, but they act like, oh, no, I spent that money. They'll, like, we paid for some event, and they'll, they'll make it seem like they paid for that. I mean, literally, I've known Zebas in my life. And, and, you know, here you have Zeba who took the food that was Mephibosheth's. But he says, here's a gift for you, David. You know, I, I, I'm trying to appeal to you, David. People who want to manipulate will sometimes give you gifts. I'm not saying everyone has ever given you a gift, okay? I'm not trying to ruin your Christmas, right? You're going to be all mad on Christmas Day. I knew you were up to something, Mom. You know, you're, you're trying to get me. You know, look, I'm not, look, people give you a gift. That's good, all right? It's good. And, you know, and don't, 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 don't just suspect. But here's what I'm saying. If someone's trying to get something from you, and they're just always giving you gifts, hey, just be careful with that. People who manipulate it, 
manipulate, often give gifts to blind others from their true motives. But notice, not, not only that, that's not the only characteristic. Go back, go back to 2 Samuel 16. Look at verse 3. 2 Samuel 16 and verse number 3. 2 Samuel 16 and verse 3. 2 Samuel 16 and verse 3. Not only that, but people who want to manipulate, not only do they often give gifts to blind others from their true motives, but people who want to manipulate will often slander others to promote themselves. And notice what he does. Look at verse 3. And the king said, And where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem. For he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Now that's a lie. But here's the thing. Let's say that's true, Ziba. Is this really the time to bring these news to David? I mean, David's already fighting Absalom. Does he really need to know that there's a lame man back in Jerusalem that is also trying to take his job? But see, here's what he does. He slanders Mephibosheth to promote himself. He puts Mephibosheth down. He says, Mephibosheth is out to get you. Mephibosheth was never loyal to. Mephibosheth is against you. And here's all he's doing. He's promoting himself. He's trying to make himself look good. Notice verse 4. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertain unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. And you know, that just makes me sick. He's just like, I humbly accept it. This guy's manipulating him. This guy is wrong. Keep your place there in 2 Samuel. Go to the book of Psalms real quickly. 2 Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm. Psalm 101. Look at verse number 5. Psalm 101 and verse 5. I'm just trying to tell you. Somebody gives you a gift, and then in the same conversation, they're like bad-mouthing another church member. I'm just, they might be trying to manipulate you. They might be a Zeba. Just be careful with that. Because you say, well, why? Because there will always be Zebas who will seize on the opportunity, who will wait till you're a little discouraged or a little depressed or a little overwhelmed and you're not thinking clearly, and they will try to manipulate you. And here David messed up. And here's, and here's why David messed up. But, but before I get that, go, go to Psalm 101. Look at verse 5 to give you the cross-reference. Psalm 101 and verse 5. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. See, here's what's interesting. Ziba tries to act like he's all humble, but listen to me. Whenever you're slandering someone else, that's not humbleness. Whenever you're talking smack about someone else, that's pride being showed. Because obviously you think you can do it better, or you think you deserve better, or you think, you know, he shouldn't have got that field. It should have been me. But go back to 2 Samuel 16. Let me explain to you where, where David did wrong. And I'm not coming down hard on David because you know what? David's really stressed out right now. David's losing the kingdom. David's in the battle of his life. Ziba shouldn't have taken advantage of David at this time. But here's where David messed up. He t- made judgment without hearing both sides. He, he took Ziba's story as truth. And he just assumed that Ziba was telling the truth. You know what David should have said is, when I get back, I'm going to have a talk with Mephibosheth, and we're going to strain this out, and we'll see what's actually going on. And I would just encourage you, be very careful in areas where you have authority or you have to make judgment calls. As a pastor, I, I, try, I, I try to never, you know, people come to me and I'm just like, hey, you know, there's, a, there's another side to the story. And if you've ever met with me in the office, you know I say that to everyone. You know, I'm... I, I appreciate you coming with that, but let's get the other side. 
Because there's always another side to the story. And David should have waited and said, well, let's see what Mephibosheth has to say. Let's see what Mephibosheth is doing. Let's wait till Mephibosheth. But he messed up because he took Ziba's story and then he gave him the land. And he's not able to take that back. And we'll see that in a couple of weeks when we get there. But I want you to notice that there will always be a Ziba who will take advantage of, your, of a situation or will take advantage of a time where you're stressed out or you're discouraged and will attempt to manipulate. But notice there's another character that shows up in this chapter. Look down at verse number 5. 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 5. And when, the king, and when King David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shimei. Who's Shimei? The son of Gera, he came forth, notice, and cursed still as he came. He didn't come and curse David. He was cursing as he was coming, all right? This guy woke up mad. This guy woke up angry. And here's what you need to understand. Just like there will always be a, a Ziba who's willing to exploit a situation, willing to slander somebody else, willing to try to, you know, pervert judgment by giving you gifts and giving you flattery and trying to manipulate you, there will also always be a Shimei who's willing to kick you when you're down. Just realize that. Just remember that. Just when you're going through a storm, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through struggles, when you're going through a tough time, just realize that the Shimei's come out of the woodwork and they find you. And they're looking for you. And they're not there to encourage you. They're there to try to kick you while you're down. Is there, is there anything more cowardly? You know, yeah, that phrase, we use that phrase, kick you while you're down. But if you, you know, because we, and, and, and we, and we talk about, you know, you're hurting someone when they're hurting. But here's the thing. Think about that in an actual, like, fight. Is there anything more cowardly than, like, when someone's already been beat down and they're on the ground to walk up to them and just kick them, you know, or punch I mean, is that courageous? That's cowardly. And that's who Shimei is. He's a coward. Because in a couple of chapters, when David's back on top, he comes back to David all groveling and taking back everything he said and, apolog- and begging for his life. But notice what he does here. While David is down, 2 Samuel 16, verse 5. And when King David came to Behurim, behold, then uh, came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerai. He came forth and cursed till as he came. Look at verse 6. And he cast stones at David. So he's throwing stones at David. And at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. So all the soldiers and all the mighty men of David, they basically surround David so that he doesn't get hit with these stones. Because this guy's just throwing rocks at David. Look at verse 7. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou son of Belial. Now here's the thing. Nothing could be further from the truth. David was not a son of Belial. David was not a devil worshiper. David was a man after God's own heart. And yes, David was a warrior, and David was, uh, was a mighty man and, 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 and a man of war. But when it came to the house of Saul, he was not a bloody man. In fact, he was the opposite. When he had the opportunity to, t- to harm Saul, he chose not to. He said, I will not lay my hand on God's anointed. When he had the opportunity to go against the sons of Saul once he was king, he chose not to. In fact, he chose Mephibosheth and he blessed him. Here you have Shimei just falsely accusing David. And he's cursing him and he's accusing him falsely. Notice verse 8. 
The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. What blood of the house of Saul? How much, how much of Saul's blood has David, has, has David shed? In whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. And here's what's, here's what's interesting, and here's what I want you to understand about these Shimeis. These people are cowards, you know, and they will sit there and criticize. They will sit there. Here's a question I have for Shimei. Shimei, if David is as bad as you say he is, if he's shed all this blood of Saul, which, which means he deserves to die, you know, when you, when you shed man's blood, by man shall thy blood be shed. If he's done all these bad things, Shimei, why don't you rise up against him? Why don't you gather up an army and say, David, let's go fight? Why do you wait for Absalom? He said, the Lord had delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom. And here's what I'm just saying. These people, you know, you, you get protesters, you get on the media, you get, you know, you, you, people coming against you, and they'll sit there on their little YouTube or their little Facebook and start typing against you, saying, you, you, you know, this is happening because you're so unloving, blah, blah. It's like, hey, but what are you doing? You know, I mean, at least Absalom said, hey, David, I don't like you. I'm going to kill you. But Shimei just waits for somebody else to do it, and then he just puts his little Facebook comment in. <laughs> then he just puts his little YouTube comment in. You know, it's always funny to me. These people will say, oh, you know, talk all this garbage on YouTube with the sermons. I'm thinking to myself, like, well, where's your sermon? Where's your video? You seem to know everything about me. It's funny. I've never heard about you. I've never heard your sermon. You know, they'll tell you everything you say is wrong, everything you preach is wrong. You got no talent. All right, well, then come show me. Show me how to do it. You're so winning. Then show us how to do it. See, the Shimeis, they'll criticize. They'll leave their comments. They'll come out and kick you when you're down. But look, they won't come out and fight you face to face. They won't come out and, and engage in battle. They'll just wait till Absalom's got you down, and then they'll just kind of put in their little Facebook comment. And they'll put in their little two cents. And Shimei here is just, and listen to me, these people, they're not worth your time. Notice what David does. Look at verse 9. Then said Abishai, the son of Zerai, unto the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. Now that was the wrong advice. But look, every once in a while, it's nice to have an Abishai on your, on your side, you know. It's just nice to have somebody stand up for you, you know what I mean? When somebody's talking smack about you to say, hey, wait, hey, listen, no, that's my king. You know, that's my friend. Or that's my pastor. Or good night, you know, that's my wife, okay? Some of you men, you know, don't talk about my wife, you know, or whatever, you know. It's just nice to have an Abishai around. And he says, hey, I'm going to go cut that guy's head off. Notice the response to verse 10. And the king said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Zerai? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, curse David, who shall, uh, who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold. Now here's what I want you to say. Here's what David is saying. David understands that he's under the judgment of God right now. And David is saying, The only reason Shimei can curse me right now is because God is allowing him. And here's what David understands. David knows that he is not suffering because of what Shimei said. He knows that the false accusations from Shimei are not true, they're not real, but here's what David knows. He is suffering for stuff that Shimei doesn't know about. And you know what? That's just a good lesson for us to realize. Sometimes people will, like, accuse us falsely of things, 
And before we get all, you know, our righteous indignation, I can't believe they would say that. Let's remember that there are some things those people don't know that we're glad they don't. There are some accusations they could hurl at us that would be, that, that we're glad. Let, hey, let, I'm, all I'm saying is this. David's probably just saying, you know what? Let him say that I went ahead and did all those things to Saul. As long as he doesn't, you know, he doesn't even know what I did to Uriah the Hittite. He doesn't know what I've done to, uh, you know, Bathsheba. You know, and, and here's the thing. Sometimes we suffer, but, you know, we need to be able to look past those things because, you know what, we're all sinners. And, it, and, it, and if, we all got, if we got what we deserve, we'd all be burning in hell right now. And that's the truth. Look at verse 11. And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, notice what David says. There's so much wisdom in this statement. He says, Behold, my son. He says, My son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamin do? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, My son wants to kill me. I'm not going to worry about Shimei. Shimei will go run into his little hole once we come out on top. And here's what he's saying, and you need to understand this. He's saying, Shimei is not my problem, Absalom is. And we need to be very careful when we're going through trials, when we're going through struggles, when we're going through a tough time, when we've got a big battle ahead of us that we have to win. Let's remember, because sometimes, and look, I, I tend to do this, you know, you start lashing out at people. And look, it'd be, it, it, it might feel real good for Abishai. I don't feel, I understand Abishai probably wants to go over there and cut that guy's head off. There are some protesters I walked by that I would have liked to go, you know, let me, let's not say that out loud. You know, and, and, and here's the thing, you know, you, 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 uh, you, you get upset, but, but just remember, that, here's what David's saying. Absalom is my problem, not this guy. He said, my son is trying to kill me. I'm not going to worry too much about this guy. And just when you're going through troubles and you're going through the judgment of God maybe or whatever it may be, just remember to keep your eye on the proper things and realize that there are some things you need to deal with. There are some people you need to fight. There are some battles you need to fight. But don't get, you know, uh, sidetracked with the shimmy eyes because the shimmy eyes will always be there. They will come out when you're down ready to kick you. So just, you know, be careful with those things. Notice what he says. Look at verse 11. How much more, last part of verse 11, how much more now may this Benjamite do it? Here's what he says. Let him alone. Let him curse. If someone is bad-mouthing you, slandering you, talking falsely, accusing you, sometimes the best response is this. Let him alone. Let him curse. Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will acquite me good for his cursing this day. Uh, keep your place there in 2 Samuel. Go, go to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, look at verse number 16. If you start at the end of the Bible, you got the book of Revelation. You go backwards. you got Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 1st, 2nd, Peter. 1st Peter chapter number 3. First Peter chapter number 3, look at verse number 16. 1 Peter 3.16 says this, Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers they may be ashamed, that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. And you know, when you're being attacked and you don't deserve it, and you're being attacked, and it's lies, it's slander, it's not true. 
Just see that as an opportunity to suffer for well-doing. Because usually when we're suffering, it's because of our own stupid decisions. And, you know, God says, this is, the Bible says this is acceptable with God. He will reward you for it. So if someone's lying about you and they're saying things about you and they're attacking you and they're, they're hurting you, just see that as an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm suffering for well-doing. I'm suffer- I've done nothing wrong. God will be my avenger. God will, you know, like David say, let him alone and let him curse. And I think that was the right thing uh, for David to do there. So we see that there will always be shimmyes uh, who are willing and ready uh, when you are down to come and uh, hurt you and kick you when you're down. Go back to 2 Samuel 16, look at verse number 13. We're, we're, almost, well, we're almost done. We'll be done here in a second. Second, Second Samuel 16, look at verse 13. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him, and cursed as he went, and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. It's always nice that even during the midst of a trial, God will give you sweet times of, of fellowship. And, and the Bible says they refreshed themselves there. And you know, I, I, I wonder if David didn't, you know, if that little phrase was added there because David maybe was having a good time out there a little bit. You know, they were obviously, they're, they're, they're struggling. They're going through a trial. Remember we saw last week, they're all walking barefoot. They got hoods on. They're weeping as they go. But I wonder if they got to that location there and they kind of just all sat there and watched the sun come down. You're all, they're all out there in, the, in, in, in nature and maybe they cooked up some Food and maybe David began to sing some uh, psalms there that he'd written, and they just kind of refreshed, you know. And and maybe it brought David back to an old time before he was a king, before the power had gone to his head, you know. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes God judges us, and sometimes God allows things into our lives, and it's meant to humble us, and it's meant to take us back, and maybe bring us down a notch or two. And here the Bible tells us that they refreshed themselves there. Look at verse 15. And Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel with him. And it came to pass when Hushai, remember Hushai? We'll talk more about him next week. Uh, Hushai the archite, David's friend. This is David's friend. He, he did go to, to go with David, but David said, go back. You're going to be my spy. I remember he's supposed to go back and be the spy and give them intel, and he's supposed to give them bad counsel. And the Bible says there, uh, David's friend was coming to Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, is this a kindness? Uh, is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why wentest thou not with thy friend? And Hushai said unto Absalom, Nay, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and with him will I abide. And again, whom should I serve? Should I not serve? in the presence of his son as I have served in my father's presence so will I be in thy presence look at verse number 20 then said Absalom to Ahithophel give counsel among you what we shall do and Ahithophel said unto Absalom go in unto thy father's concubines which he hath left to keep the house and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father then shall the hand of all that are with thee 
be strong. Now keep your place there in 2 Samuel 16 and turn back just real quickly to 2 Samuel chapter number 12 and look at verse number 11. You remember when David had committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba and uh, the judgment of God through Nathan came. This was something that God had said would happen. 2 Samuel chapter 12, look at verse 11. 2 Samuel 12, 11, just a few pages back. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. That's Absalom. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. And by the way, there's a proof. You know, there's this argument. Are concubines wives? There's a proof. They're wives, all right? God said they were wives, so there you go. Look at verse 12. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. So God had prophesied that that part of the judgment of David was that his wives, his concubines, were going to be slept with publicly and humiliated. Go back to 2 Samuel 16. Ahithophel, you know, Absalom asked Ahithophel for counsel, and Ahithophel basically says, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Now I want you to understand something about Ahithophel. Look down at verse number 23. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracles of God, so was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. The Bible tells us that every time Ahithophel gave counsel, it was the right counsel. Now, what we mean by it was the right counsel, we mean that it was the right thing to do if you, to get the results that you were asking for, okay? What he, the Bible's not saying that everything Ahithophel said was right in the sense that it was godly, Okay? What the Bible is telling us here is that going to Ahithophel is like going to the Bible. It's never going to lead you astray. And Ahithophel, if you're asking for a, you know, a righteous question with a righteous expectation, whatever he tells you is going to be right. And if you're coming to him on the evil side and you're trying to do something bad and you say, what do I do to get this expectation? Whatever he tells you is going to get you there. Everything Ahithophel says is the right thing to do, not in the sense that it's the right thing, whether it's right or wrong, but it's the correct course of action to get the desired results. Does that make sense? That's what's happening here. Absalom goes to Ahithophel and he says, I want to do something very wicked. I want to make sure you know, that David does not come back as king, that I take his kingdom, that he is not seeing as someone that is able to come back. And Ahithophel says, go in unto thy father's concubines, look at verse 21, which he hath left to keep the house. You say, why did Ahithophel tell him to do this? Here's why he told him to do this. The fact that David left ten wives behind to keep his house, to clean the house, to make sure everything's dealt for, is because he's basically sending a signal, I'm coming back. David has not just left for good. It's, this understanding is he left his wives there because he's coming back for them. So Ahithophel tells Absalom, go and do this wicked sin where you're going to go and lie with your, your father's wives. And basically what you're doing is you're burning the bridge. There, there's no return for David. There, here's what I'm trying to say. There, after this, there's no reconciling David and Absalom. There's no way that they're going to be able to send an ambassador in and figure out a treaty. No, one of them's going to die. Either David will die and Absalom will be king, 
or Absalom will die and David will be king, but there's no coming back. That's what he's saying. Notice what he says. Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he has left to keep the house of all, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. There's no coming back. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. And here's what I want you to understand. Not only will there always be a Zeba who's willing to manipulate and take advantage of a situation and blind your eyes to a gift and slander somebody else. Not only will there always be a Shimei who's willing to come out and kick you when you're down, he won't do it himself. He won't lead the army himself. But when you're down, he'll come out and slander you and lie about you. Listen to me. There is always, you can always find an Ahithophel who's willing to give you ungodly counsel. It's always funny to me when people come to me as a pastor, and I'm not saying everybody who comes to me does this, but a lot of people will often come to me and they're like, I have a question for you. And it's very obvious they don't have a question for me. They're coming to me with their answer and they want me to affirm it, you know? And sometimes people will, will just, you know, it's like they're, they're coming. Uh, I, sometimes I just want to ask you, are you asking me or are you just telling me, you know? Or you know, this and that or whatever. And, and people are always looking. And it's funny because, like, even when people come to me and they just give me, you know, their answer, I'm just like, hey, hey, I, I know you never actually let me say anything, but I, let me just make it clear before you leave. I don't agree with you, okay? I'm just saying that. Because I don't need you going around telling people, you know, well, I decided, well, I, told, I talked to pastor about it, and he said it was fine for me to divorce my wife and marry the neighbor lady, you know. No, no, I never said that. You came and asked a question. You never let me answer a question. I'm just letting you know I don't agree with you. But here's what people do. Then they'll go ask 20 other people. Or they'll call some other pastor. Or they'll go find somebody else. And, and here's what I'm trying to tell you. you eventually, you'll find an Ahithophel that will tell you what you want to hear. I mean, you, you ask 20 pastors. You ask 50 pastors. You ask 100 of your closest friends. Eventually, one of them is going to give you the green light to do whatever it is you're trying to do. And listen to me. I don't care, you know, divorce is the, the main thing that people always come to me about. I don't care if 50 pastors tell you it's okay to do it. If you line up 50 Ahithophels and they say, go in and do this, it still doesn't make it right. Amen. It still doesn't make it true. You can always find someone to affirm you, to give you the green light, to tell you it's okay, your situation's different. Listen, you can do that. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that God's in it. So if you're looking... For just someone to affirm you, there is an Ahithophel for you. Just keep looking, and you will find them. You will always find someone to affirm you. Well, you'll always find someone to tell you. And here's the thing, but let me just make something clear. I'm not Ahithophel. You come ask me for a question, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. And it's always funny to me, because people ask me questions, and it's like, uh, I, don't, I, preach, you know, I preach all these sermons about fornication, you know, they're publicly on the Internet. I don't know why you think the answer is going to change face to face. You know, people are, well, what about the homos? You know, I, my, my friend that I grew up with is a homo. I'm like, okay, so that changes everything. You know, Ro- Romans 1 applies to everyone except the homo you grew up with. It's like, well, I don't understand what you're trying. If, if, if it's what the Bible says, it's what the Bible says. I'm not, it's not me. It's the word of God. Amen. And, you know, you find these Ahithophels, though. That they're just, because here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this next week, Ahithophel has an agenda too. And we'll look at Ahithophel's agenda, and we'll look at what Ahithophel is trying to get across and what he's trying to accomplish. And you can always find someone that will affirm you. You can always find someone that will confirm you. You can always find someone that will give you a green light. You can always find, you, you ask enough people, someone's going to tell you a stupid answer. And if that's what you're looking for, then go for it. But you know what? Be glad 
be glad when you surround yourself with a pastor or a church that says, well, look, I feel sorry for you, but that's not what the Bible says. Be glad for that. Amen. Be glad that there are people who say, well, look, I, I, look I'm not, uh, you do, do whatever you want. I'm going to love you either way, but that's not what the Word of God says. Be thankful that there are people that are actually loyal to the Word of God and loyal to righteousness and loyal to what's right. Because there's always an Ahithophel you can find. I can probably point you in the direction of a couple of Ahithophels, you know, down the street here that might be able to give you the advice you want. But it doesn't make it correct. It doesn't make it righteous. It doesn't make it godly. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.